Mobile Rolling, presented by Garrard's Horse and Hound, making shopping easier with their online store. The same extensive catalogue, the same keen prices, online or over the phone. 1-800-060-896 or visit horseandhound.com.au. Pembroke Playboy held back to the field, down the side at the 400 metres, a cooter a half away, right of the leaders back, waiting for the placemakers, passing lane is older wise guy and then Krug, the big four go for home in the group three, Hannon, it's Pembroke Playboy, he sights the straight first, the inside older wise guy, Akuta caught upon, Pembroke Playboy tackled by Akuta, the inside older wise guy, Akuta and older wise guy, Akuta and older wise guy, a little between them, but it's Akuta, Akuta right on the line, the three-year-old, what a horse, what a win, Akuta. Yeah, he a took on the old heads there first up a few weeks ago off the stand at Omaru, worked into the death seat, and as you heard, got up in the last couple of bounds. Chris Barsby, I know, often talks about him. He's one of his favourites, and he's had 12 starts for nine wins, and we get to see him at this wonderful program with some of the biggest names in New Zealand harness racing tomorrow at Addington, tomorrow evening, and Mick Guerin is joining us. How are you, Mick? Thank you. Steve, I'm really well, actually, mate, and uh, I'm, I'm actually kind of glad to be here because I'm actually in New Zealand, as you can imagine, because I actually was booked on a plane to go to Paris to see Very Elegant in the Ark. And as we all know, that is not going to be happening. And once I got a sniff of that on Tuesday night, I waited and cancelled the tickets. So if I was right now, I would be in Dubai, Steve, on my way to Paris. I would be a relatively annoyed little broadcaster. All right, at least we're going to see her on the weekend. Let's hope she can win that race over there the day prior at, at uh, Longchamp. It's, it's a great many. Oh, I've been to the Ark three times. It's a wonderful place, Longchamp. Probably the one thing you don't realise when you haven't been there is how wet it gets. The track gets really wet. Like Things like Queensland last year over winter and, and just what it felt like. And, and it's really testing. Um, it's a funny meeting because they race Saturday and Sunday and Saturday is almost like, without being rude, a total non-event. Like nobody in Paris is talking about it or going to it. And they're a funny breed, the French, uh, Steve. They, they go to the Ark, and the second the Ark finishes, they just leave. Like, obviously, when a neighbour was going through a third Ark, and she got beaten in the last 100 metres, and literally half the crowd left straight after the race. So it's a, it's a fascinating place to go. It's mm -hmm. a fascinating place to watch racing. It's a very confusing place, obviously, because I don't speak French. But, yeah, I'm, um, I feel for the connections of very elegant. A couple of the New Zealand guys I know really well are on those planes, actually the same plane I was going to be on, and they're going to be there. And they'll, they'll enjoy Saturday, but of course that's, that's not what they were going there for. So strange old times when the Melbourne Cup winner uh, gets balloted in any horse race, I would have Yeah, thought. almost $15 million too in the bank as well. Let's talk about Akuta. Now, that was the, the, took on the older horses there first up and got the job done at Omaru, but back to his own age. Is that correct here at Cambridge tomorrow? No, no he's racing at Addington, Addington tomorrow. tomorrow. So, Addington tomorrow night, Steve, they really ramp things up. The best pacer in New Zealand, and, and some people might say the best pacer in Australasia, and self-assured is back. Also, the best trotter in Sunday's sun is back. And Akuta's in a completely different race from them, a race called the Lazarus Stakes, which is against the three-year-olds. Now, that would seem an unusual target considering he's still in the market and second to favourite for the IRT New Zealand Cup in five weeks' time. But Mark Purden said, we're not certain to go to the New Zealand Cup. This race 
is 20k. We'll take this, get his confidence up. He should be winning. This race will be at quarter past four Queensland time tomorrow. And it's a good field. These are decent horses. But he should be too good for them because, as you said in the replay there, or showed in the replay, he managed to sit parked and win last time. Then I think Ash Burton, in about three weeks, He'll go head-to-head with his stablemate, self-assured, and then we'll find out whether he's going to be a New Zealand Cup horse. Technically, he is three, but for those who don't follow the harness, the seasons have changed. They are now calendar year seasons. In the old way of doing things, two years ago, he would actually be four. So while it sounds odd, a three-year-old racing in the New Zealand Cup of level marks. Technically, he is four. They just changed the harness racing season on both sides of the Tasman. Uh, it seems to be working, Steve. It gives them a back end of the season with a lot more depth in derbies and sire stakes and bred races. But uh, I'm not sure getting away from the galloping season has done us any good because I think it just confuses a lot of people. Well, later in the night, this is one of the major highlights here, the Canterbury Classic. It's off the stand. It's worth 50000 And you mentioned self-assured, drawn two, Spankham five. And I noticed that they've both won this race previously, haven't they? Both those horses. Yeah, and Mark Purden is a gun at winning these races. He sets his horses for these races. They invariably have two trials, Steve, which is crucial. For the harness horses, you tend to want them to have two trials rather than obviously just the one, because it's 2,600 metres, and they'll be at their VO2 max for most of that, if not all of it. They can really scoot in these races. So I think Self-Assured will win. He's even money, and I think that's fair, because he's a horse who, when things go his way or don't go against him, he tends to win. He's won all the big dances before. The one thing I would say is, is a standing start, and if he's a little bit slow away, a horse like BD Joe could put the foot down and make him chase. But the best self-assured would win. Uh, $2 is okay. BD Joe gave or received a 40-metre start from self-assured at the trials last week, and they finished about two lengths apart. Uh, Tomorrow night, they're standing next to each other. So on recent trials form and performances and overall career performances... He should beat the second favourite, B.D. Joe. Spankham's now seven, Steve, so he's an older horse. He's quite a fat, tubby little horse, Spankham. He takes quite a bit of work. I would think he would need a run tomorrow night. And the other big name in the race is South Coast Arden. He's the most likely of the New Zealand-trained horses to go to the Inter-Dominions, which begin on November the 26th in Victoria, because Mark Burden hasn't nominated self-assured uh, or Spankin. Did that and shock South you, that news? Uh, I tried to talk him into it, Steve, because it's free noms. And I, I would just nominate, and then you can pull out in a month if you don't want to go. But he just seemed to not want to be there. He didn't want to be there, and most importantly, the owners of the two horses were very relaxed about it. I think the problem is the heats for the Inter's only 30K, and I don't really think the heat should matter that much because they are only just heats, but I think that annoys or put some people off. Uh, I, I think the days of the Inter-Dominion getting back to 750 or a million for the main stake and heats of 50 is what it's going to take to have deep Inter-Dominions. We didn't have a deep Inter-Dominion last year in New South Wales. And I, I think that's an issue. The other issue, of course, is now that your champion Queensland pace a leap to fame and a cooter are technically three, 
rather than racing in the Inter-Dominions, which they would have done had they been four-year-olds, potentially. They have derbies at the same time of the year, and they can go for the easy picking of a derby at 200 or 250 versus the bigger picking of an Inter-Dominion at 500 where they've got to race four times in two weeks. So I think the Inter-Dominions, while it will be good fun, it'll be a good fun series, Steve, I think it needs a reboot to stay as relevant as some of the other things happening. Of course, the Eureka is coming up next September in New South Wales at 2.1, 2.2 million. Well, when the public see that, even though it's not going to be as good a race as the Inter-Dominion, their mind naturally goes there. So I do think the Inter-Dominion, after this year's cycle-ending race in Victoria, needs a tune-up. It'll also be interesting with that new race in Western Australia, the slot race as well in April, the Nullarbor. What sort of horses end up in that as well worth a heap of prize money? Well, it was really strange. It's the same weekend as the million-dollar slot race in New Zealand, and they're not directly drawing on the same pool of horses, but you would think there'd be four or five crossover horses. The odd thing about that is it's actually easier for a Melbourne or Sydney place to get to New Zealand than it is to get to Perth. So... Uh, I, I know there'll be state government funding for that, and I know that people can't always make these things work exactly how they would want them to work and with each other, but I do think that's an error. I think had those races been a month apart, some horses might have started in both, and now I think they'll cannibalise each other to some extent. And I know one thing for sure, there'll be no New Zealand horses going to Perth. Uh, and harness racing, Steve, the best version of harness racing is when you've been Queensland head-to-head with New South Wales, head-to-head with Victoria, and head-to-head with the Kiwis. That's the best version of it. Uh, And I think that WA might have missed the boat there because they might struggle. I reckon half the field for that race will be WA horses. Mm. But your Lavery Joes and, you know, hopefully Magnificent Storms and those sort of horses, won't they? Those free-for-allers that we see week in, week out. And and it'll still be good, Steve, but I, I, I don't know. WA pacing's in a really strange place because it's an enjoyable product. But you meet so few people who watch it. And that's just because of the time of night. In New Zealand, it's midnight when the big races are on. In Victoria or Queensland, it's 8, 9 o'clock at night, 10 o'clock at night. Um, And that's really tough for people. So harness racing people are are going to bed by then if they're not working at the races. And gallops people are absolutely in bed. And I would say to most of the galloping people listening to this conversation right now, Put your hand up in the air if you can remember the last time you watched a feature Perth harness race. And that's nobody's fault. It's not the product. It's just the time of the night. Because most gallops people, as you know, Steve, unless I Yeah, well, that's me. I always day, watch the replays on Saturday morning. by 8 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just with this, so you're very keen on self-assured here in uh, race number eight here at, uh, at Addington um, tomorrow night. You said around the $2 mark uh, with, with Tab. He won it two years ago, self-assured. South, South Coast Arden won this last year, and three years ago it was Spanker, and they all line up in the race this year. The one key factor was last year when South Coast Arden won, he'd been trialling better, and he was actually being quasi-trained by the All-Stars, Mark Purden and, and Hayden Cullen. This year, Brent Mangos is training him, and he's had a slightly interrupted preparation, so I'm willing to discount him as a winning chance tomorrow night. So that's the feature pace. And then the other really cool race tomorrow night's race seven. Uh, that's at 4.42 Queensland time. And it's Sunday Sun, our best trotter, up against Muscle Mountain, our fastest trotter. Now, I'm pretty keen on Muscle Mountain here. 
uh, Steve. I really like Sunday Sun as a horse. He's a good horse. But I just think Muscle Mountain will be fitter. And if he gets in front of Sunday Sun, I think he'll work forward and get the lead. So pretty keen Muscle Mountain. I would tip him to your listeners, but he was 2.8 last night. He's now 1.8. So as you can probably work out, if you, if you gamble, the value is gone for Muscle Mountain. Um, and yeah, a lot of people thinking that Sunday Sun will be half a run short. Just going back to that, he's only had the one trial. And I do like horses in harness racing who have had two trials before they race over 2,600 metres. He's only had the one. And they've clashed several times, haven't they? Yeah, they have. But one's a great stater and one's a great sprinter. But in early season racing, sprinting is more important than staying because they tend to be sit sprint races driven for temper, driven for speed, more so than races when people go out to give the horse a headache and bore it up them. So I think that's the case of race seven tomorrow night, the other feature race. And then of course, Steve, we have uh, on Saturday at Melton we have the heats of the Victoria Derby, the Victoria Oaks, and the Smoking Up, which is a lead up to next week's Victoria Cup. Most importantly, Queensland superstar. A leap to fame, has made it to Victoria. There were concerns over a plane. There was a lot of stuff in the round. He left Brisbane last night at 11pm. He is in Victoria for trainer Grant Dixon and he will be taking his place in a very, very slippery heat of the Victoria yeah. Derby on Saturday night. It's going to be yeah. an absolute beauty. No doubt, yeah. Grant let us know too, uh, Mick, short time ago. Yeah, 5.30, actually got to the box there at the stables in Victoria, 5.30am. It's amazing, this Captain Ravishing. Like, it's been a while since I've watched a pacer, Mick, where the hairs stand up on the back of your neck. But this acceleration this horse possesses and his past two wins for Emma Stewart, are just it's just quite <laughs> extraordinary, isn't it? I mean, that 25 quarter, two runs ago, and then just made a mess of them last week at Kilmore as well. And, the you know, he's twos on against the horse that's won two derbies. Leap to fame, Captain Ravishing. The one thing I would say about Captain Ravishing is this. Uh, the Emma Stewart-trained horses, and they're, they're very good trainers, but they often gap them. They have a history of winning races by huge margins, and then when they get up against genuine Group 1 Grand Circuit horses, because in Victoria, they just beat the other horses up. That's just standard play for them. Often when they come up against very good interstate or New Zealand horses, they get beaten. Now, I'm not saying that'll happen to Captain Ravishing. But I also know that when you win races by big margins, your horses don't tend to learn a lot. So just be careful there on Captain Ravishing Punters. I, I think he's really good. If he drew the front here, he would lead and he would disappear, and that would be the end of that. But this has happened a lot with him over the years. The horses are very fit, and they like to run them very hard, and they like to give them their heads. And they do gap horses a lot. But those same horses will turn up against Mark Purden or Grant Dixon, who's a very good trainer, and get beaten the following week. I'm not saying that'll happen. If Captain Ravishing leads next week in the derby, he will almost certainly panel them. But we were seeing a horse like Act Now, uh, this time last year, who looked like an absolute superstar, and he hasn't gone on with the job, and a lot of these don't, because they drill down into them at two and three. Uh, it's not something Victorians will tell you because they don't want to piss anybody off, but punters deserve the best information, and that's why I would be really careful about backing Captain Ravishing any time at Group 1 level when it's not uh, a Victorian-exclusive type race like a size stakes. Do you think Mark Pitt will get rolling on him really early in the race, Captain Ravishing, and, and get around? Or how do you think it'll play out? Leap to fame, obviously, he'll put himself in there up on the speed. Will he in the first lap or so? What do you, how do you think it'll play uh, out? Well, it's 27.60, so they don't need to be in a hurry. 
and one of them will get a superior run through to the other one. One of them is going to end up in front of the other. Now, logic would suggest that would be leaped to fame in front of Captain Ravishing because he's drawn to the inside, so Captain Ravishing has more option to pull behind him than leap to fame where Captain Ravishing has to get around him. But that's going to depend on the horses in front of them. And neither of them follow out blazing gate horses. The problem is, is that once one of them lands in front of the other, it has total tactical advantage because it's a heat. And heats of the Victoria Derby tend to be very uncompetitive. Once the good horses come knocking, they get the lead because the horse who's leading is happy to trail because then it gets into the final next week. And that's where the big money is. So whoever ends up in the better place early has the option to saw up, get the lead, and then the other horse has no option but to come sit parked outside it. So I would say with a lap to go, these two are unleading an outside leader. And they run one too. And how they run one too probably depends on who ends up in front of the other after 200 metres. That's if they're all well, everybody's happy and all horses are steering well, Steve. That's how Victoria Derby heats have gone since the beginning of time. Now, how that's going to pan out tomorrow, I don't know, because it so much depends on the moods of the horses in front of them. But I've seen nothing yet to suggest that Captain Ravishing is a better horse than Leap to Fame, who I think is a very good horse. Yeah, of course. So we talked about him yesterday in the Queensland derby. He had to do it the tough way. But when he won the New South Wales derby, sat 1-1 one, one, um, and absolutely brain rivals there. So $2.80 about Leap to Fame with Tab and Captain Ravishing is $1.50. That's race number six. Now, what about this catcher wave who's normally a high-speed horse off a, off a second-row draw here in heat one? What do we make of him, catcher wave? I think he's a very good horse. Uh, I think it's... It's a form, a front line with a lot of form, but I don't think most of those horses are that good. I don't think the form's outstanding. For example, Harania won last week in a very easy race. Rip is a good New South Wales horse, but he's only coming back from a spell. He did trial well last week. The second line here is really strong. Major Perry's a good, informed New Zealand horse. Um, can't find a better man. Was excellent last start for the McCarthy's. If they get in front of Catch a Wave, this is going to be a different type of contest for Catch a Wave. And again, we go back to this Victorian-centric form. A lot of horses who come from the Breeders' Crown or the Vic Bread look like superstars. And the Victorians just jump up and down. They can't help themselves. And then they get into the big dances and they get beat. I'm not saying that'll happen to Catch a Wave. But I'm always wary it can. Because the Victorian-centric form tends to be Emma Stewart, Andy Gatt, maybe good sugars. There's not many players at that absolute highest level there. Mick Stanley's another one who, who has horses who are grand circuit performers. So uh, well, a staggering stat, Steve, which a lot of people wouldn't know, is since the Menangle era started, since they started racing at Menangle, over 60% of Group 1 horse races that have been contested, grand circuit races, I should say, 60% of grand circuit races have been won by New South Wales horses of the ones I've competed in. And that's because Menangle makes the horses aerobically superior because the racing's so hard. And that's where this gap has been created, along with people like Belinda McCarthy and Luke McCarthy who can train and Jason Grimson. But on the Grand Circuit, the New South Wales horses are the dominant force, even though the Victorian horses have all the hype because there's no real media in New South Wales. And the reason for that is because they race so hard at Menangle, they are fitter and they become better like African runners. And people don't like hearing that because harness racing is an incredibly parochial uh, industry. I went back and counted every single Grand Circuit race since they came in on board, Steve, and that's a fact. 
Mm. So what you do see is that also comes out at derby levels because horses can't find a better man hasn't raced a lot at Manangle, but he didn't win their last start. Those horses who race on those tracks, they get better. Now, it doesn't happen all the time, but it's something punters need to take on board when they are betting because so often you see Victorian quasi-champions, and we'll go back to the statement again, once they are on the, the big dance against open horses, they're not quite so good. We saw that last year. With King of Swing, we saw it in the Miracle Mile, we saw it in Victoria Cups, we saw it in Hunter Cups, and we saw it in the Inter-Dominions where the New South Wales horses quin out of the race. So um, just a little punting lesson there for the Gallops punters who don't follow the harness too much. Some quite staggering stats in this day of stats favouring New South Wales horses in major races if they have had concentrated and angle racing programs. Just back to catch a wave, is that distance a bit of a risk as well? There's 2,700 metres, of course... 27.60 on Saturday night? I think I think it's an issue for most of them. He's out of a very good New Zealand family. He's out of a, a family which has outstanding staying blood in it. And the great thing about Kate Gath is she's been to the big dance a thousand times. So she'll just let him relax. She'll let him relax, do what he wants for the first lap. If she gets technical advantage over can't find a better man, sure, she'll pop around and she'll get the lead if she wants it because these horses aren't good enough to park her. Um, or even she sits parks, she controls the race. So I'm not thinking it'll be a searing 2760. So I think she'll get away with it. But uh, look, it's going to be a new trick for him. And it's a new trick for many of these horses. The one horse I think it won't be a concern for is can't find a better man. Um, he's already raced in the Derby, of course, the Queensland Derby where he finished second. He's a big, strong type of a horse. And he's out of a better's delight mare which really helps him get the distance. So not saying catch a wave isn't a better horse and can't find a better man, but I agree with your sentiments that, yes, it's a new test for him in saying that a test in a derby heat where they go a lot slower is significantly less testing than in a derby final, which we have in eight, uh, nine days' time. Fascinating, uh, these races. 2.40 catch a wave, interest-free, 3.30. And the one you made mention of there for the McCarthy's can't find a better man is $5.50 at the moment and $1.85. Just uh, on the, the the big smoking up sprint here, obviously New Zealand, copy that, had the right run and got the job done. But um, what are you thinking here in the smoking up sprint, the group two? I think he's the best horse in the race. He's won a New Zealand Cup, which is an awfully big deal. But Better Eclipse is a good horse. We know Better Eclipse obviously had a fantastic um, spring. It was now. So last spring, or my apologies, last summer, uh, he was very good winning the Sunshine Sprint. He had no luck when he raced in the backs of fate, but he, he was good over the Queensland winter. Ran second in the Rising Sun. Before that was excellent in races like the Chariots of Fire and third in the Miracle Mile. I just question a week out from... Victoria Cup, if there's any pressure, do they want to lead on Better Eclipse and just stay there, or do they hand to a copy that, thinking they can potentially beat him up the passing lane and or if they can't, they get an easier run into the Victoria Cup. I'll, I'll be honest, Steve, I don't really like betting in $50,000 races the week before a $400,000 race, whatever it is. It's tricky stuff. Uh, I do think one of those two will win, and it just depends on who decides to lead. That's a torrid saint doesn't try and park them out, and I can't imagine he would because he doesn't want a, he a headache a week out before the Victoria Cup. So uh, copy that probably is the better horse and therefore will go for him uh, over better Eclipse, but not with any great volition. I, 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 I think you can get around 3.5 each of two. Um, I think that was the first market I saw, Steve. I haven't looked at a lot since. But if that was the case, 
then you just back both of them. Mm, gee, he had a beautiful run, though, didn't he, last start? Copy that. It just worked, like, even a long way from home, and he ended up in the one money was going to be, you know, I don't know what prize he started, but he went to basically an odds-on chance in the run, didn't he? Last it was a beautiful start. drive. Nathan Jack's handled him the truth. The one thing I would say about Copy that is this. He's a serious horse. We know that. Like, he's won a New Zealand Cup, beating Selfish-Shawwood. He's gone to Queensland and competed there. He's won races now in Victoria as well. He's won races in the North and South Island of New Zealand. So he's a horse who turns up and goes to work. And, and, and you want those horses because they don't let you down. And I'm not saying Better Eclipse is a horse that will let you down, but we haven't seen that body of work from him yet, even though he's a very good horse. It's very tactics-based, um, that race, Stephen. And I'll be honest, I haven't run Nathan Jack or Greg Sugars. If I was betting to the race myself, or if, say, for example, if I was writing a story for the paper or on television, I would ring those guys. And even if they wouldn't tell me what they're going to do, often their voice tends to give you an indication. But I haven't done the due diligence on Mason. Just in the Oaks, what horse are you looking forward to most? Of course, uh, we've got in Cypher, short in the, the first heat. Then you've got Amore Vita in the second heat. Uh, Soho Astoria just kept winning last preparation against Beach Life. Which filly are you looking forward to seeing out of all those? I, I think it's a really tricky Oaks because a horse like Amore Vita has been in every dog fight you can imagine. And fillies, unlike a good colt, can often get tired. Often the best filly at the start of the season is not the best filly at the end of the season. Whereas with the good colts, the Lazarus-type colts, they're full of testosterone, they just get up and they, they recover quicker and they get on with the job. I reckon Emma Stewart will win the Oaks. Um, I don't know which horse will win it. Maybe in Cypher, maybe a little bit small for my, my sort of liking for an Oaks horse, but a lot will come down, Steve, to who draws the best in the final. You find it's very rare that these fillies can just come swooping down the outside and beat each other up. So I think Emma Stewart will win the Oaks. She's got about half the field for the final probably next week. Um, who's the best of them? Maybe Soho Astoria. But I, I, I just haven't seen enough of them because we're splitting the season in half and having racing from January to April and then racing sort of from September to December. And often, I think, in the second of those campaigns, often these horses come back, Steve, they race in an easy kill race on the way to these races, and you don't really get an idea of how they are. Um, I'll be really interested coming out of what's been quite a cold time in Victoria with lots of rain, how their coats look. Um, that, that's really crucial to me, how they look, how they're coming on. And, of course, they are fillies, and it is spring, you know, whether they're cycling or not. A, a lot of that stuff would track into how I was betting on a race like that. So I think Emma Stewart will win it. Um, I'd obviously be more interested in seeing them go around the heats first because that will prove to me more than anything I've seen in the preceding couple of weeks because most of the lead-up races provide relatively easy kills. And what's happening with Ladies in Red at the moment? Is there any news there? Speaking of Emma Stewart? She's racing next week on Victoria Cup night at this stage. That's, that's the plan with her. So Ladies in Red will go to the Mears race. She won't go to the Victoria's Cup. She will go to the Mears race. For those who are looking for content around Victorian harness racing, um, there's some really good stuff coming out of the trots.com. They've actually employed a Queensland boy, well-known, a guy, Ryan Fearland, who, of course, has done a stack of television, probably more television than almost anybody in harness racing, and he's driven a lot of winners. He's now come on board um, with Harness Racing Victoria, and he'll be doing some of their stuff, including hosting their coverage on their biggest nights. They're going to have free-to-air coverage on their big nights for the Victoria Cup next week. So if you are interested in what's going on, listeners, in harness racing in Victoria, if you head to the trots.com or you follow them on Twitter or Facebook, you can be seeing a lot of this information come through. And there's a major update uh, from Team Stewart and Clayton Tonkin's team 
available on those social media platforms and the trots.com uh, right now. There's about a six-minute piece on all those good horses, and that includes an update on ladies and gentlemen. Mm, you know where he started, which station? You've probably never heard of it before. Mick, I'd be shocked uh, if you had. Funny enough, I've known Ron for about 25 years. Yeah, have a guess. Somewhere in Queensland and <laughs> yes. somewhere really, really small. <laughs> There's a little tiny community station called Briz 31, um, which was hard I to get on lot, certain televisions, but you could find it. What a lot of people wouldn't know is, is that Ryan actually drove about 100 winners. He drove about 100 winners as a harness racing driver. A lot of people wouldn't know that because they probably know him from rugby league and and lots of other things he's done in his life. But he was actually a harness racing driver, so that's a really good skill set for them to have, and they're putting together a new broadcasting team, uh, which is crucial, because in Queensland, you're lucky enough to have someone like Brittany Graham, you know, who, who's part of that, and that depth of experience is really valuable for punters, particularly because it's such a hard industry to get coverage compared with the behemoth, which is Australian galloping. So well done to Harness Racing Victoria. They're going to have... Um, some pretty talented people covering their major races for them, as you would expect with an Inter-Dominion coming up, Steve. So yeah, for people who are maybe starved a little bit of harness racing coverage, because Guy doesn't have quite as much as they used to, and if they head to the trots.com and, and their trots TV channel, um, they can have a bit more fun if they're that way inclined. But of course, Steve, there's a hell of a lot of racing going on at the moment, so I think people tend to find the stuff that interests them uh, and digest it on the small screen, often more so than the big screen, or, of course, on the radio and podcast. Bottom line is we tune into Addington for these big races tomorrow night, and we tune into Melton with the glue to the telly, Sky Racing to watch um, all those Derby heats, Oaks heats, and smoking up free-for-all as well. Thanks, Mick. Hey, Steve, it's my pleasure, mate. Look, um, look forward to, uh, to talking to you more over the spring we needed, mate. All right. And I don't know how those people can just leave straight after the running of a big race. But anyway, we'll talk about that another day. People in France. Thanks, Mick. Have a great weekend, Steve. And Mick Guerin joining us there. That's interesting, isn't it? They take off. After the big race, they just leave.